Welcome to the Black Ops Podcast. Your mission, should you choose to take it, is to go behind enemy lines and get the real intel about working professionals living their daily lives on the front line, overcoming challenges, learning from failures, maintaining balance between their work and personal life, and making it look easy. Join your platoon leader, Dr. Larry Ferdinand to gather different perspectives on careers and any pearls to help move any roadblocks in your life that are keeping you from the life you deserve. So, now is the time to report for duty. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Black Ops. This is episode seven. Uh, We just gonna jump right into it. We have a special guest today, uh, Dr. Raina Gilmore. And she's coming to us all the way from Cincinnati, Ohio. Shout out Cincinnati, Ohio. That's uh, close to, well, people down here like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's from that part of the time. <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> Joe Burrow country down here. So that's why every, I don't think people actually knew where Ohio was down here until they. Tell Joe Burrow. Until Joe Burrow. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to just. Uh, give her an introduction. Talk. Let me give you a bio, Give her your the bio right quick. Uh, give her bio right quick. Sorry. Okay. All right. Uh, Dr. Raina Gilmore is a board certified psychiatrist that specializes in child and adolescent psychiatry. She is from Florida. She received her Bachelor of Science in Biology degree from Xavier University of Louisiana, and her medical degree from Howard University College of Medicine. She completed her general psychiatry residency at Morehouse School of Medicine and her child and adolescent psychiatry fellowship at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. She is currently practicing as an independent contractor in Cincinnati, Ohio, serving children, adolescents, and their families. She is a lover of the arts, sports, peace, and serenity, and spending time with the family and friends. She is committed to spreading psychoeducation through both conventional and unconventional means with the goal of reaching as many people as she can on a global scale. There you have it, Dr. Raina Gilmore. My ding, friend. ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Woo! Glad to be here. Did I miss anything? <laughs> no, no, that was that was perfect, just like it was written. Oh, she's a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. For yes, there. yes, yes. A real one. A real one. Uh, yeah. Definitely a yeah. real one. Uh, not fair weather. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We won't talk about Jameis. Okay, thanks. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's uh, lovely to have you on the podcast today. Dr. Yes, Gilmore. I've been looking forward to it. And I, I, I wanted to be on, I wanted you to come to this podcast today because I, we went to med school together. Yes, Lord. We were, you know, kind of like, you know, roll dogs mm-hmm. in school. And, you know, I felt like we always had the same mind. <laughs> Me and you had identical, oh mi- identical <laughs> minds in a different body. Yeah. But, you know, that's just how I felt. You know, you may mm-hmm. have saying. Yeah, there was definitely a connection. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, I want to get on here and talk to you about this. You know, I've been watching Netflix. Mm -hmm. one time one time you know i'll be i'm usually off and on with netflix but sometimes netflix actually gets it right yeah 
uh, I actually finished watching that uh, Netflix series, Love is Blind. Okay. That, was, that was very hard to watch. <laughs> I didn't watch that, yeah. I but can't. I powered through it because, you know, it, the drama was very thick. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had to get to the end. But, you know, it was actually a pretty good seri- series to watch. But, you know, it was very far from reality, in my opinion. But Yeah, I'll have to check uh, it out then. Yeah, but that was the last one I watched. Uh, but I wanted to come on here to get a discussion going with you uh not you know not just talking about this but i also want to delve and um ask you some questions about you know who you are with your career mm-hmm. um you know really delve in who's dr gilmore yeah i'm still trying she, to figure that out <laughs> and why <laughs> she is amazing okay oh okay so, yeah. <laughs> yeah well i think you're amazing so touche touche I'm gonna put on I'm put on wax and let the world know why you're an amazing person. Oh great. I appreciate it. You're amazing doctor. too, man. So are you. Very appreciate, proud of you. Appreciate it. Uh so I wanted to talk about this uh Netflix series, The Pharmacist with you. Yes. And I've seen that. <laughs> I I actually did a did a podcast, like a review of it, because mm-hmm. I was so like, you know, uh inspired. AKA pissed off about right. the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so just to, I mean, I don't, well, let me just say spoiler alert is going to be some spoilers. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I may get some points wrong cause I saw it kind of like a couple of weeks ago and, you know, as doctors, you can't, you gotta like, you know, you see things and then it comes in and out of your mind. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I got most of it down. Okay. But the important parts <laughs> is uh, it, it's interesting because all this, all this, the backdrop is New Orleans, Louisiana, or New Orleans metro area. So mm-hmm. where where I currently, nine Ford. right where I currently live. I live in New Orleans metro area. Uh, so it's all based on this pharmacist, right? Mm-hmm. I call him Matlock. <laughs> One <laughs> Matlock. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. And yeah. so, you know, it talks about and and I like, you know, I'm talking about what I like and dislike about it, but I like, you know, when they give historical context about things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He basically, you know, was raised in the area of New Orleans where the ninth ward was originally white. You know, yes. it was a white neighborhood. And he lived through that transition and where, you know, he can actually say, yes, it was white flight. The black people came in. Right, right. We moved out. Right, right. <laughs> and so it's a real thing. White flight is a real thing. They, it's definitely they, real. Yes. And they know when to, when to stay and when to leave. So, mm-hmm. and it was, it was kind of like in that time where, you know, you know, you had the drug epidemics heroin you know uh in the black communities that you know crime with drugs come crime and then of Mm -hmm. course people left the area went to this place called chalmette which is basically on the or saint bernard parish which is basically on the east side of new orleans uh so he talks about his history and everything and he goes goes through the historical context and he talks about his family, right? 
Right. And his family, you know, of course, he moved over to the, well, Chalmette or St. Bernard Parish and left the Lower Ninth Ward, which Mm -hmm. became black and drug epidemics, you know, crime and stuff happening. So basically he grew, he, you know, was able to start a family, have a career and all this, have kids, basically living, you know, the prototypical uh, American dream Mm -hmm. away from all the nightmare of America. Right. And, and it's, and what really kind of grabbed, grabbed me was uh, when he talked about how his son passed away Mm -hmm. and his son passed away because he was murdered in an area or neighborhood where he used to live or was raised in and then moved out of. And, (laughs) and it's funny how, like when life comes to you, it can come to you two o'clock in the morning, (laughs) knocking on your door. Right. I'm saying, Hey, we're going to pull you in because Mm -hmm. you've been living in this ivory tower for all your life. Yeah. And, now you have to deal with what's really going on. Mm-hmm, the dungeon. Right. And they, I mean, it, it was, I, I have to say it was a greatly done documentary because it had, you know, people I wouldn't think would be on a documentary. Right. Uh, they actually had the guy who killed his son. Right. On a documentary. I'm and like, that was crazy. I'm like, brother, you, you, you a real one, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like I ain't trying to go. The back lady down that there. the lady that snitched too. I thought she, I was like, oh, she did. She they gonna get her. She a real one too. She <laughs> sure is. <laughs> like she must live in Utah or something somewhere and, now. <laughs> and I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get to that too. I'm gonna get mm-hmm. to that too. Um, and because it was just kind of like, yeah, we. Even though it it was it was a tragedy, and the black woman kind of felt for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had a connection with them because she had a brother who died or mm-hmm. a family member who died um, in the same kind of way. Right. Uh, and nobody didn't, didn't know anything, couldn't do anything, mm-hmm. couldn't find anything. And so her heart was in the right place to help, Absolutely. help those people. Yeah. But those people didn't, I mean, it wasn't like, <laughs> well, you know, you know, this lady helped us out, you know, she lives in a bad environment, you know, maybe we should do more to help out in the, no. the environment where she lives in, you know, mm-hmm. we just want, we just want what we want. And then we're going to be about our way. Basically. <laughs> right. We want justice with, for our son and that's yeah, it. Yeah. We going to let you deal with the consequences of repercussion of snitching. Mm-hmm. But thank you for helping us. You can right. always invited to our house. And right. <laughs> she was like, I got to get up out. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and then, you know, they eventually, uh, well, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but I would just leave it kind of ambiguous. So they, they moved on from that. And then, you know, from his experience of having a son murdered, he noticed some things happening around his area. Right. Uh, as a pharmacist. And this is where things shifted over from heroin crisis in like the 50s and 60s, crack cocaine, mm-hmm. 80s and in 90s. In the 80s and 90s, yeah. And now you have the opioid epidemic. Yep. So a lot of a lot of time has passed, 
and things are going on, but all of a sudden this guy is starting to notice, you know, hey, you know, some crazy stuff is going on with these prescriptions that I'm getting from this certain doctor. Mm. And <laughs> and this guy, you know, he he kind of puts two and two together and you know, he figures out that, hey, you know, this woman is not prescribing these medications appropriately. Right. And pediatrician. Right. Pediatrician? Like Yes. Like <laughs> a pediatrician, yep. no no red flags or anything. And, nope. Oh Lord. There was a lot of red flags. I didn't understand. Right. Like pediatrician just all of a sudden got this booming just open it. booming practice. Right. Open In a shady, at, shady biz, shady part of town. Open, open it open after the sun two, go down. A pediatric <laughs> office open at two, three in the morning. Right. What child is up that late? And got a what a police officer at the front door. Uh-huh. You know. Escorting her in and out. Okay. A whole lot of people knew what was going on. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> and it, a whole lot of people, it, I don't think they, I don't think they really went into depth how well she probably was connected with people. Because mm-hmm. That would have started up a whole nother, you know, craziness uh, that people probably didn't want, want to get in or deal with. Like, look, we're going to make this documentary and we won't live. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna do we just gonna expose what's already on the record you know right. everybody hiding behind the scenes we ain't gonna expose them. we don't know them this is public record your name is in the book so we gonna expose you so everybody else y'all good you know don't come right. after us please so so this this uh pediatrician was doing all this underhanded you know prescription writing and nobody was saying nothing because everybody was getting their prescriptions and going the holy trinity yes and you know he did his investigation work did his um <clears throat> and well did his did all this stuff and tried to get you know the all the way up to usa uh da office mm-hmm. uh, cia fbi to try to get up in there and nobody knew how to stop it right and they kept working on it yeah like we Mm. we're we're, our hands are tied we can't do anything you know we're just going through the process we have to go through the process because if we don't then it's a chance that we won't be able to you know crack the case or stop all this from happening right and so (laughs) dude literally watches tv (laughs) and he's looking at the news and he says Oh, that's how they did it up in Ohio because an- another doctor, just like the black lady, mm-hmm. which they just kind of briefly talked about, which was doing stuff in Ohio, doing the same thing, writing those prescriptions. Yeah. And, you know, getting kickbacks from drug reps to yep. write those prescriptions. And they, you know, found a case on him they and got him. him down, got him. Mm-hmm. And the way they got him was going through the, State Medical Board. That's <laughs> where I think you would I go first. But I literally said when when all that was going down, I was just like, "Why don't they call the state board on them?" Right. That's <laughs> like, the first like, place. Yeah, like the woman says, like even when the DA lady came to her and like said, "Hey, you know, we know what you're doing. Right. You know, we we gonna give you an out. You know." 
And the woman said, no, I can't let y'all take my license. Uh-huh. Who, who gives her the license? <laughs> I guess. But, you know, you're a pharmacist. You should know to go to the med. I mean, I mean, I know you're grieving and whatnot, and you haven't slept ever, but I think you should really think, okay, let's go to the medical board. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's like... It, it's it, to me that should have been the obvious like they went years trying to figure out how to take this lady down then they finally watched this thing on tv and then boom you know oh yeah right. we should go to the middle oh, okay. see what see go through them to get her to stop writing up prescriptions right and so ding 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 that was the answer whatever but i thought what was funny and how all that happened and everybody was just like patting themselves on the back. But, you know, that lady was serving a purpose. There's <laughs> a lot of people that's not getting good, well, medicated properly right. or medicated to where they can be able to function. And they were getting medications from her and you know, when she got taken out the picture, it just spilled all over. Yeah. <laughs> New Orleans. You know, right. The epidemic got, got worse. Bad. Yeah. You know, and, and yep. what came into my mind is just like, mm, this is an example of people who have no forward thinking. Right. And as a doctor, I feel as doctors, we have to have forward thinking. You we got to. We have to look at a situation like, okay, if I do this, then what's going to be consequences or the reaction, you know? And I would think that that was, that would have been one of their uh, things that would pop up in their head. Like, wow, you know, this is a bad problem. Let's, let's look at the scope of this. Uh -huh. and what is really going on? Not just taking this woman out is more like, wow, this is a problem based on people not being uh, adequately uh, medicated or people abusing medications. You know, what is going on? Is it is it dealing with family problems, social problems, yeah, economic get to the root. problems? You know, what, how can we make it better? So if we do take this woman out, we won't have this, like, backlash of uh, our unleash this or open the floodgates because this woman is really acting like <laughs> like the like the uh pain like, savior like, like the levy or like the mm -hmm. gatekeeper that's what i wanted to say gatekeeper mm -hmm. he's acting like a gatekeeper from a big problem that's behind the scenes you know right but they didn't look at that they just said, hey, let's go take this woman out. We're going to pat mm -hmm. ourselves on the back because we stopped this woman writing prescriptions. Right. And it was, <laughs> it was just funny. I like doctors like from other places like, oh, how much money she was making? Right. Was making? <laughs> Let me start doing these. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got bills in this clinic. I got mm -hmm. that need, need to be paid. You know, mm -hmm. maybe I can write some prescriptions because I ain't mm -hmm. no one like that. Right. And you know, I would say, well, let, 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 let's, what do you have to say so far about it? You know, or what was your review about the pharmacy? Well, I don't want, I, I, I wanted you to come on specifically because I know. Because <laughs> we have the same mind, right? You have the same, but you have a different perspective. 
and I want you to, I want to hear your perspective about it. Okay. Well, uh, I think that from the beginning when they, I also um, appreciated the historical perspective that they gave it. And I always, it always amazes me how the, the crack epidemic, you know, in the black community was criminal. But then when you have the opioid epidemic and mm-hmm. predominantly white, not when it was in the black community years right. and years ago, but when it's in the white communities, um, you know, it's something that, oh my gosh, it's, they're sick. And we have, you know, it's, it's a health crisis, not, not a criminal crisis, but a health crisis, right? Now, they both, they're both health crises. Like, I mean, so I'm not saying that they shouldn't treat it that way, but they should have treated the other one that way. So uh, let me get that out the way. Um, Thank you. Yes. So <laughs> I, that was the first thing I was like, oh, okay. So now. Mm-hmm. And let me just say what they, I do appreciate him acknowledging, even though it was like a little bit, you know, just getting, it felt like it was getting it out the way. He did acknowledge that, you know, he, about what he thought about people who were he did. going through the problems with the crack and the heroin that he was, he was being part of the problem by looking yeah, he did say that people. And that I was like two minutes. That. Yeah, yeah. That was like two minutes and all the we whole series. get out of the way, you know. Right. I was one of those people who looked right. at them people. Who had I thought them people like, were bad people and this yeah. and that. Yeah. But my son, then it was, then, then yeah. it was, that was just gone. That's what I said. Yeah. When it come at two o'clock in the morning. In the morning. Knocking on your door. And it knocked on his door and then he went to the land of crazy. See, as a psychiatrist. <laughs> bring, see, then, I, then I started looking at it from a psychiatrist's perspective, <laughs> right? So I'm like, okay, there's a whole I'm social crazy. issue. Yeah, because you know, because you know it's about to get real. So mm. I was like, okay, so now the man is grieving. You know, they're grieving the loss of their child. Um, many times when you're grieving, you'll put some blinders on. You're not realizing that, you know, your son wasn't all that you thought that he was. He, he was involved in some stuff mm-hmm. you would never thought he was going to be involved in. So, okay, you, you start to come to that realization now. I will say I think that the mom and the sister um, had a little bit more sense. Um, I mean, they were grieving too. But um, they didn't take it to the level. So you you said he was like Matlock. Um, I think he really thought he was Matlock because he was like he wasn't sleeping. He was making it his life's purpose to avenge his son's death. Okay. Now I think overall it turned into something good, you know, somewhat. but the way he was going about it, I was like, first of all, this is white privilege because you can go and be involved with the DEA and the FBI and you can do all this stuff and nobody and everybody's just letting you do it. You know, somebody black, they would have been done. Yeah. They, prosecuted. They, they yeah. Been it would have yeah, break, break him all over the coals, yeah. you know. And so he's allowed to do all this. He went into some sketchy situations and he's still living like i just don't understand some of that just didn't make sense to me that he was just going and knocking on people's doors and going in the hood and saying you know hey i need to talk to you um y'all didn't pop him like i don't understand like so but, this, see, but that's what you said white privilege nobody white privilege. wants to be the one to kill a to kill the white, white man. man right and that's a pharmacist <laughs> that's gonna that. bring promise Right. It's going to bring problems. So they knew, they knew better than that. Now, if it was, you know, 
you know, Ray Ray uh, Jenkins, you know, trying to avenge the death of his son, then Ray Ray would have been gone. Yeah. Okay. Ray Ray would have been gone. Look, look no. at the look I'm just at saying. New Orleans, you know, mm. murder mm. record. Mm. Another one bites the dust. Tick. Yeah. And another, another tick and they would have kept moving. Kept it moving. <laughs> so there was a lot. So I figured there were so many different levels of stuff within this documentary that I was just like, wow, you know, so I do appreciate you turning me on to it and having me to watch it. So I think that his PTSD kind of um, caused him to do some irrational things. Now, again, there were some good things that came out of it because I think his heart was in the right place. You know, I think he really was trying to help these people um, with the way he was going about doing it. And the fact that, like you said, if you see that this lady is causing this turmoil and causing these deaths and all that kind of stuff, or it's not causing them, but it's playing a big role in them. Then why aren't you trying to, if you're trying to help the community, right? Are you trying to help the community? Are you just trying to avenge your son's death? Because you're not doing what you need to do to, to put things in place. And that, you know, maybe that was the reason why the DEA and all of them were taking their time. Cause maybe they were trying to find ways to have, you know, a contingency plan for them. I doubt it, but no. um, <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt no. it, but but nobody was actually. They, they so like, these um... people were just, yeah, <laughs> these people were just left out there, you know. Like, those people basically, you know, how they have on Facebook, if looking at one door closed and not looking at thousands of doors around right. them that's open, Right. So it needs to be a picture of that black woman looking at that closed door. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't do nothing because this door is closed and we can't do nothing with the situation. But you can go here and you can go this way. Well, we got right. <laughs> we got right. looking here. How are you, you know? gonna help these people? You don't do you really care about these people if you just you just try now you're a vigilante and you trying to get take this lady down and you got these thousands of people who now don't have their supply. It's just it's my it's just like taking away the drug dealer the 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 drug dealer in the community. But the but the issue but the thing with drug dealers is there's a contingency plan because there's other people that can take care of the people if that one gets popped off. That's all you, I'm saying. You basically took away their competition. Basically, <laughs> basically, they're they like, like, "Well, good. Ooh. I was waiting for them to get rid of that woman because she had to go. I mean, she was the kingpin, you know. Right? Exactly. Now exactly. She now she gone. Now I yeah. So oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. <laughs> you know. <laughs> when Jesus so, washes opioid. Yeah, yeah. When the wash the opioid was washed. So. You know. So that that was my feeling on it. There were just so many levels, and I don't want to put too many spoilers either, but. It's just a lot of different, I think there's a lot of ways you can go with different topics and issues that you can talk about, you know, socioeconomic, yeah. race, um, yeah. just the healthcare field in general. Exactly. Um, it's so much. It's so much. It's, it's, and, it's, and, and let me go to my James Baldwin quote. Okay, do it. <laughs> live, live, dang, I, I never remember it, but it's, okay. it's the... Uh, uh, Living, being somewhere conscious in America and be black is to always be enraged. Yeah, that mm-hmm. Was, yeah mm-hmm. that's my James Baldwin quote. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just like you, like you know, you see it, you know it, you know, but nobody's doing anything about it, and nobody, right. it, it is just basically nobody cares. <laughs> right. Nobody, they're like, yeah, like you have all these things that happen to 
this group of people before mm-hmm. you ended up with, you know, kids in your neighborhood starting to come to your pharmacist, kids mm-hmm. that look like your son or look like right. your daughter. You have to come to your pharmacist and mm-hmm. now you all of a sudden want to put on a cape and a mask and go be right. a uh, super matlock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super matlock, yes. Super matlock. With the and, cape. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 now you know you go pat yourself on the back for doing something that you that should have been done. You know it wouldn't have got to that point. You probably got to the sun if if stuff wasn't just like like you said it was kind of, it it wasn't me, so I didn't care about it. You know exactly, exactly. And if you see that this man, like the mom, the mother, and the daughter, were constantly saying, "We think he's going," you know, get he was doing too much, and we tried to tell. Um, can y'all find some kind of professional or something to try and help this man? Like, it was just like, we just thought he was just not doing well and and he wasn't sleeping and this and that. That's a problem. Like, that is a problem. But y'all sitting here letting him be vigilante Matlock with the super Matlock with the cape. And nobody is questioning, like, the mental state of this man. And you letting him work in a pharmacy? I don't get it. Like I, it just doesn't make any sense. You it don't, the, it, it don't matter. It don't. You get. <laughs> you, the you, man ain't sleeping. You letting him work at the pharmacy? I don't. I mean, he's responsible for re- dispensing medication to people. This, uh, this that WP again. Mm, you know. WP all day. He's a good guy. You know, he really means well. You know. I'm just helping him out in a tough time because I know he, his, his okay, son. Okay, he's sick, and he then get him, help him out then, and get him some <laughs> grief counseling or something. Shoot, y'all, y'all just letting this man just go unchecked, just like Trump. Mm. All right, I'm gonna pause right quick. Okay. Okay, so the last part I wanted to talk about with this pharmacist, and then we're gonna get into talking to Doctor Gilmore about you know, her pathway through medicine, her journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buckle up. It was just the the last part I wanted to talk about was the billionaires. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was it the Becklers or the Belchlers or something? Basically, their great-grandfather was the one who made the drug or the opioid uh, mm-hmm. oxycodone. Or mm-hmm. he was the one who patented it and right. uh, was able to, you know, sell it and the company was basically run by or owned by this family uh, mm-hmm. and when everything went down you know with this with this one one physician mm-hmm. and you know obviously she was made the fall guy of course so they were just like okay not like oh we need to we need to watch our practices with this drug because yeah, that's a mm-hmm. major problem. We didn't, they was like, they capitalized off of that double thing. down. We got right. to make that money up. <laughs> we just lost our major kingpin. Right. They're like, <laughs> back. <laughs> we got to get back in the game. Mm-hmm. We lose money out in these streets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> out in these streets. In the corporate streets. <laughs> right. It, it, and, and, and that's the whole thing. This woman, they, they took a medical license or whatever, but, this drug was FDA approved, you know, and she wasn't doing anything quote unquote criminal because people come to her. Yeah. She prescribed. Doc, I got pain. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 
eight, nine out of ten in those little happy faces and mm-hmm. got yeah. to decide yeah. where's the dang what, yeah. what what is the face that the patient has right so I can prescribe it. Yes, because <laughs> pain know? is subjective. Yes. Right. You know, and, and you have to treat it. You mm-hmm. have to treat pain. You have to. You cannot let people leave your office in pain That's or right. else you can get sued mm-hmm. know, for malpractice because you didn't treat their pain. Right. And so this one was like, all right, you know, mm-hmm. you got pain. Mm-hmm. They won't, they need some help. So I'm going to help them. Yeah, from the whole eternity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not to say what she did was wrong. You know, it was inappropriate. You know, it was immoral and stuff. She mm-hmm. was doing it for the wrong reasons. But, you know, if we going by the letter of the law, I'm just saying, <laughs> like you know, like y'all want to bring up in certain cases, like Trayvon Martin, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she wasn't really doing anything wrong. You know, you got to go to the FDA. land of opportunity. Yeah, FDA. Yeah, like FDA. Why did y'all approve the drug? Y'all, y'all ain't know all this happened. The drug was this addictive and stuff like that. Honey, FDA oh. ain't gonna tell you nothing. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, they, gonna, they ain't gonna put FDA but in jail. No, whatever, so, uh, so she that was, was a martyr. And you know, it's just you know now this guy with all this happening, this little pharmacist guy, he can pat himself on the back because mm-hmm. he's the savior. You know, he 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 was the one who lit the fire that brought down this big opioid pharmaceutical company, and. <laughs> And now he's got a documentary on Netflix. Right. And, you know, I have to say he did, I I say overall, well, the outcome was a positive outcome because he, you know, was able to crack that and it probably Mm -hmm. helped people. But nobody looks at, you know, it's just kind of like one of those superhero movies, like, you know, Superman saves the world. But the whole city is destroyed because he was right. in the monster all over the damn city. Like you can't take the monster out into a field or something and beat his butt there. Right. You got to beat his butt in the city. Yeah, you got buildings down and all that. Trying to, mm-hmm. for you being Superman, mm-hmm. you know, you created all this destruction. Right. And who's and gonna clean it up? Who's gonna clean it up? Who's gonna pay all these insurance notes from these buildings? That's been Nobody. Like, he probably was like, over. "Oh, my job is done. Um, yeah. let me go on about my life." Right, flow. Right, you know? and I'm out. <laughs> Cape off, gone. Is is people look at you know? Oh, we 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 accomplished this goal. We did it, but it's just you know it, when it affects other people's lives that you really don't care about. Like oh well, it's collateral damage. You know, mm-hmm. just you know things that just had. In order to make an omelet, you got to break a couple of eggs. You know, type okay, of, well, that was a lot more than a couple of eggs. So. <laughs> About 50,000. I was a chicken coop over thousand. there, boy. Right. <laughs> but anything else you want to say about the series? No, man. That's, that's all I got, man. That's all that's I all got. got. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I want to get the feedback um, from Dr. Gilmore because she has great perspective on these things. And, yes. And I wanted to get on wax because. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she, she definitely has another level of thinking about things that I want to talk to her about and get on black ops. Yes. So now that we got that out the way, okay. So let's ask uh, Doctor Gilmore some questions. All right, buckle uh, up. Let's go. Let's do it. Zero to a hundred. Uh, real quick. 
So, of course, with Black Ops, we want to talk about, you know, everything, the whole aspect of the medical journey. Mm. And part of the medical journey is successes and failures, you know. Mm-hmm. Lots of failures. What would you say or discuss the uh, the failure or challenge in your life that you learned the most from, especially on the medical journey? What kind of failure just, what was the most failure that came or that you experienced that really put you in another mindset or change your trajectory on your medical journey? So I would say uh, I had a lot of failures uh, in medical school and leading up to it. And what I would say would be one of the biggest failure that actually made a big change in my life was when I failed uh, step one. So like at Howard, you couldn't go on to your third year until you pass Mm -hmm. step one. So I, I, I failed it. I eventually passed it, but I, I started my third year late. And so they kind of had to truncate it, you know, and by the time I finished um, and I had failures throughout, then I was just kind of burnt out, just down, you know, I just Mm -hmm. couldn't do it anymore. And if anybody, this is when I really realized who really knew me and who didn't, because when I had decided to take some time off, I mean, I was going to therapy and all that kind of stuff. When I had decided to take some time off, the people that really knew me were like, well, if you taking time off, you must really be struggling. Mm-hmm. The people who didn't know me that well were like, why are you doing that? Fourth year so easy. Like, that doesn't even make any sense. Like, why aren't you? And I said, I got to go. So I took time off and I just waited. I was just going to do my fourth year with the next class. That was a very hard decision because I wasn't going to be graduating with my class that I had been with, you know, for those three years. Mm-hmm. Um but I will say that was one of the best decisions that I made in my life. It gave me a chance to kind of recharge, reset, and come to my fourth year with a different perspective and mindset so that I could progress forward. And so I, I don't regret that at all. So yeah. I learned a lot from that. Yeah, I remember it because we was actually like study partners Yeah, in, yep. in med school. And mm-hmm. I passed, and I remember you didn't pass, and that, that mm-hmm. was like – very awkward situation and mm-hmm. I probably wasn't the best of friends during that time and well how could you, know, you be you was going through the struggle too so. <laughs> I, I mean it, you understood though you said you were one of the ones that supported supported me though oh, yeah, so I'm not, yeah. I'm but, not yeah. I, but you know looking back on things I felt like you know I could have done more you know I had the capacity to do more but you know when you hey hindsight is twenty twenty. you know you don't have a lot to work on you're just Mm-mm. trying to, you know, not go back to Shreveport right. with, your, with your tail in between your legs. And, right. You know, but, you know, you, you was a soldier through that, and that's, you had tremendous strength. Because mm-hmm. I came back. Because I could have been like, and I'm out. I'm not doing this no right. more. But yeah. I came and back. On, on, on the battlefield at Howard, you see yes. a, lot of, a lot of bodies. Yes, <laughs> a, lot a lot of fatalities. Of, a lot of and I was like, I will not be in the body bag. Yeah. No, yeah. I will not. You will, you will not be dissected me. You will get to the chopper, and the chopper right. will lift you up. <laughs> yes, yes. They weren't going to have me in their gross anatomy lab. Shoot, they weren't going to get me. Right, mm-hmm. right. So that that's a great, great uh, word from you. So since we talked about the failure, what is the biggest success, one of, one of the biggest success that you had in your journey uh, in medicine or in your career? 
I think actually finishing the the medical journey and, and, and moving forward because the the failures didn't stop there. Mm-hmm. You know, as I as I've gone through uh, med school and residency uh, and fellowship, I've had failures. Still, I still have failures. But the fact that I was able to get through residency um, and to get through my uh, child psychiatry fellowship and and practicing. Now, despite, you know, the failures and setbacks that I, like I said, I'm still going through, um, I'm still able to persevere and, and really make a difference in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Real. And with that success, did it, you know, propel you in a different direction or just kind of gave you uh, support to keep on going in the direction that you were, that you were currently on? Did you kind of think about like, hey, you know, this success in this area, maybe I need to do things like, you know, talk radio or. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I'll say both actually. Um, It it did uh, motivate me to keep going uh, because I saw the bigger purpose and I saw the need out there, especially with child psychiatry. There's so much demand and not a lot of supply. Uh, So I saw the need. as I was going through the journey, I realized that there are different ways that you could reach people. Um, and so that's when I started trying to do things like I, like you said in my bio, um, both conventional and unconventional methods, uh, unconventional meaning, uh, you know, podcasts, uh, you know, I have a podcast that I do uh, called Interconnected, um, doing videos on YouTube, just trying to reach people in different ways, especially working with kids, you have to think outside of the box in order to really connect with them. So that it's, it spurred me to think outside of the box, but it also uh, encouraged me and, and motivated me to keep going down that path. Cause there were many a day that I was like, this is for the birds. I'm not doing this anymore. I am going to be a greeter at Walmart, but the greeter at Walmart's not going to pay those loans. So I decided that. It's a long line for the greeter position. I know. And, you know, I was like, that ain't going to pay whole, the bills. A whole lot of them have ARP. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So. Mm-hmm. And I've been beaten a few times. So I decided that I'm not going to do that. And that's not going to pay back the, the serious debt that I'm in. So I decided to press on through the medical route. Oh, I'm going to ask this little kind of like offhanded question that, okay. you know, didn't prep you for, but uh, why right. child psychiatry? What made you go into that field? Um, So I, I, what I'll say is I went into medical school thinking I was going to be a trauma surgeon. And that's because I used to watch like ER and, and watch surgeries on TV and wouldn't get queasy. Um, and so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a trauma surgeon. Then I took gross anatomy and I said, I will not be a trauma surgeon. <laughs> and then I said, uh, then my first year, um, once I got to my third year, my first rotation was psychiatry. Now, I, I love that rotation. I've got my own personal, uh, you know, mental health issues that I deal with as well as in my family. And so I felt that, you know, that was the path to go. Um, I also thought about pediatrics as well. And so oh, Dr. Forrester, I always love Yes, you. Dr. Forrester oh. did. Uh, <laughs> boy, baptized yeah. by fire, baptized by fire. So I, uh, 
<laughs> we ain't not gonna go any further than that. So <laughs> I uh, decided, uh, well, gosh, I like psychiatry, I like pediatrics, and I was actually talking to uh, Wale. I know you remember him from. I, you know, he lived one. down here. Oh, he I didn't know that. Yeah. Go kick so, it sometime. Okay, I need to kick it too. So he he <laughs> said, um, "Well, why don't you do child psychiatry?" And I was like, "Eureka!" So I decided to go down that path uh, with me liking pediatrics as well as psychiatry to merge the two. Cool, cool. So do you think that you are living your purpose or that you achieved your purpose, that that this is why you're here on this earth to do what you're doing right now? I honestly am still trying to figure out my purpose. Um, I think that this is, I'm on the right path. Um, it's just trying to figure out where my niche is and where exactly I need to go from here. Mm -hmm. Is like helping kids out like a passion of yours? Or? Absolutely. That is a passion of mine as well as a suicide uh, prevention. Mm -hmm. Another big passion of mine. Cool. Cool. All right. Moving on. So what is the biggest thing that if somebody uh, like meets you or uh, somebody sits down and, you know, like me, what's the biggest thing <laughs> that we can learn from you and your journey that you would say that you would want people to uh take away from your journey and medicine and your career or your life uh, if they sit down and talk to you? So two, two things that I live by, two models that I live by are live your life to the fullest and don't let others dictate your fate. Live your life to the full. Well, let me start with don't let others dictate your fate. I live by that because there's so many people throughout my journey that could have discouraged me, um, there's so many people that supported me, but there's also people that could have discouraged me. Like, Why you keep going through this? Are you sure you want to do this? Myself included. Um, so, mm. I, so don't let yourself, you know, That's discourage you from your That's faith. So, big one. um, throughout my journey, I've done a lot of self introspection. Um, and that, and that's what I will, you know, would like to tell people. This is what I tell, you know, kids today. You have to really look within yourself and, and, and have that awareness of what your, your weaknesses, what your flaws are, um, but as well as what your strengths are. And don't allow other people to tell you what your destiny and fate is going to be. That's going to be really up to you. And, you know, whatever spirituality, uh, you know, you believe in, you know, whatever your higher power is, all that's going to be between you and your, and your higher power. So, um, so that's, you know, don't let others dictate your fate. Live your life to the fullest. I've always been one to, you know, I'm an extrovert. Like, so, yeah. so I, you know, I've always been one just what try to. What the rapping? I love <laughs> right? the rapping. Um, I'm going to get back to it. I had a little downfall. Wendy. Um, Wendy. I know. Dr. Wendy. 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 You need to get her back. Hit me up. Okay. Because yeah, yeah. I'm back. I am back. I have fallen. But I'm yeah. back up now. I need, a, I'm back I need, up. A, I need another video. Okay. I'm, I'm going to work on it. I'm going to work on it. <laughs> so, so that's why I say live your life to the fullest because you never know what's going to happen when your last day is going to be. And, you know, there's people who are out there my age that are dying. Um, and there's people who are, 
just living in fear because of things like the coronavirus and all this other stuff. It's like, I don't want to live my life in fear. I just, cause I don't know how I'm going to be taken out. So I'm just going to, you know, enjoy my life as it is and, and truly live in the moment. So live in the moment and don't let others um, live, live your life to the fullest and don't let others dictate your fate. There it is. So before you go, I got some fast fire questions for you. that are a little bit fun. This is the fun part. Let's do it. I've been having fun the whole time. Let's go. <laughs> See that extrovert, extrovert mm. life is fun all the time. Uh huh. So uh, these are just uh, questions that get to the personal side, the other side of Dr. Gilmore. All right, be like careful. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm an uh, open book. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Uh, what's one thing you want people to learn from you from this podcast? That I am a human being just like anybody else. I'm not higher than anybody else. Just because I'm a doctor doesn't mean that I'm better than anybody else. I go through hurt, pain, trials, tribulations, joys, just just like everybody else. So um, I'm someone who is a lover of life and just likes to live in the moment. Cool, cool. All right. Just pause one second. Okay. Dang it. Okay. So next question. What is your fondest memory from high school or college? High school fondest memory is I was the mascot my senior year. Um, we were the Tampa Bay Technical Titans. And I remember doing um, my audition for it. Now, I I live in a family of extra, so we're very theatrical. Um, so my mom, <laughs> me and my mom came up with this whole little thing, you know. So I won with flying colors with the audition, um, and then, but then it was like, okay, now we I had to like put together my own costume. So they had me go to the band room and just put together a costume based off of the stuff that was in there. I know you see yeah. this. That's not, yeah. Crazy. So, but yeah, I had a good time being but the you mascot. You do it. I did it. I did you it. Did. I had a great time. Yeah. I mean, it's try. What'd you say? Trial by fire, baptized. Baptized by fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that has been the story of my life. <laughs> Moving see, forward. See, see. <laughs> touch it. They're, grab they're, it. They're, prof- they're prophecy. <laughs> Go on you and know. touch it and grab I should have known right then <laughs> no, the trajectory of my be. life. <laughs> that, that's what From me going that in that band room. That was and, the success. <laughs> That, that was it. Your- <laughs> you gotta get your build your own soon. <laughs> and come out here and impress. And come out here in these streets and, and get out the, and, get and do the, it on your own. This position. <laughs> on my own. Why did it end this way? And, and right. You, absolutely. Right. You better come, Patty. Come I did. Patty's mm. past. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so Next question, past, present, or future, who would you want to have an hour of question to answer with and why? Mm, that's a good one. Just one person? One person. Okay. Maybe I, two. You can squeeze in two, but one. I think I probably would want to have a question and answer with Harriet Tubman. Okay. Why? Did you, you say why? 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 She was such a warrior. Like, she... She, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine living in that time and having that much courage and strength to be able to 
first get up out the jungle, but then come back and bring other people out. Right. Like I, I just want to just, I'll, I'll just ask one question, just how, and then I'll just <laughs> let us talk. Okay. Just how, just let it talk. And can you give me a little bit of it? Is there a way you can transfer some of that to me so that I can try and do that? Cause I feel like if I was out, I'd be like, I'm out. <laughs> Um, good luck to you guys. I'll pray. Hope to see you in Canada. <laughs> right. I'll pray, but she went back. You hear me? And right. and it also showed me that no amount of education is going to protect you. Okay. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. It's all these people with all these degrees and stuff like that. Would they go back out there with all that courage and, and bring them people back? No, they would not. Mm. They, they would have been like my degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So my degree is nice and comfortable in this mm-hmm, I'm saying I am fine. So in Montreal. <laughs> exactly. So uh, so uh did you actually go see the movie? I did. I did. Thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty awesome. Good. Okay. Good. I thought it was awesome. There it is. There it is. So uh next question. Best mm-hmm. advice you can give somebody out there about overcoming a failure or obstacle or challenge. Again, don't let others dictate your fate. Okay. You have to keep on going. There's there's success doesn't come without failure. You have to, you have to understand that. And I think that makes you stronger because people who have always succeeded and haven't had to go through any failures, any kind of failure that they go through, they just want to jump off the ledge. But if you have been accustomed through going through failures throughout your life, it kind of, you can either let it keep you down or you can allow it to give you the strength to keep going and to help others along the way. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a little bit of a redundant question, but y'all needed to hear it again. You need it's to not hear redundant. It again. That's yeah. right. Hear it again. Do it. All right, next question. What personal yeah. habit that has helped you to be more successful in pursuing your goals in life? I'm just really starting to learn this now in, at this point in my life. Um, and that is meditation has been really helpful for me mm-hmm. um, as well as trying to detox myself, not only from um, like f- toxic foods or things that I put in my body, but people, thoughts, uh, ideas, you know, and trying to surround myself with more positive people so that I can be propelled to do to to do good in life and I can be able to handle it better. The meditation helps with that because I can't, especially in psychiatry, I can't, I don't know what's going to happen that day and I can't change what's going to happen that day, but I can, I can have an effect on how I'm going to react to it and respond to it and allow it to affect me. Mm. That's what it is. You can control what you can control. Basically. That is yourself. Yep. (laughs) All right, last last fast fire question. If you won the lottery yesterday, would you quit your job or career? I would not quit my job. I would quit the amount of time <laughs> I put on my job. <laughs> but I would not quit my job because I am passionate about what I do. Okay. Uh, so I wouldn't quit it, but the hours would drastically change. <laughs> One hour a day. Maybe. One hour, like. It just wouldn't even, ha- it wouldn't even be established to be like, you know what? I feel like working two hours today. I'm just going to do it. Let look, me, you know, let me come in when I want to. Right. Let me leave when I want to. Right. That's here's, my day. Here's $10,000 to shut and up. I'm, there you go. <laughs> and I want my full money. Right. <laughs> Basically. 
All right. Before we before we shut down this episode and we thank Dr. Gilmore for joining us. Thank um, you so much. Complete this sentence, Dr. Gilmore. All right. I want to be remembered as a person who. I want to be remembered as a person who inspired by action. Hmm. Inspired by action. There it is. There you have it. We thank Dr. Gilmore for joining us on Black Ops, for being a part of this operation to get into talking about the pharmacist, the Netflix documentary, and also learning more about Dr. Gilmore and how she has overcome many trials and tribulations to be here with us today. Yes. Uh, you got any thing you want to tell the audience where they can find you, where they can listen to your uh, podcast, leave on iHeartRadio okay. and other things they can yes. look out for from Dr. Gilmore. Yes, indeed. First off, thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited. I'm willing to come on any other time and we should do a collaboration show. I'm just saying that's out there in the future. I'm putting it out there. Bam. It's going to be like the breakfast club. I'm just saying. All right. So Dr. my, Dr. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So um, I also would like Asian. to say, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ron, you're yes. the Asian. <laughs> Multicultural. Um, I also would like to say I, I am very proud of you. I, like you said, we went through the struggle. And so I'm very proud that you were able to persevere. You wanted to be an ophthalmologist. You became an ophthalmologist. And I'm so very proud of you and the things that you're doing and the things that are to come. Thank so, you. Thank you very much. Um, my podcast is called Interconnected. That's E-N-T-E-R-C-O-N-N-E-C-T-E-D. One word. And it talks about the interconnectivity of the mind, body, soul, and spirit. Talk about a plethora of topics. Dr. Ferdinand has been on there a few times, a couple times. Um, and mm -hmm. I plan to have him on there more times. We had, we had a very good discussion. Um, you can find it on uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and any uh, podcast app. The um, website is boldbravemedia.com, B-O-L-D-B-R-A-V-E-M-E-D-I-A.com, and that's where you can find the uh, shows. All right. We'll, we'll make sure we put that in our uh, in the episode uh, summary so people cool. can know where to go and we appreciate you again for coming on and appreciate you. I'm, I'm giving you the medal or uh, the designation of Colonel Gilmore, oh. the official Colonel in black ops. Yes. Um, uh, armed forces. Of course I'm the general, but I understand. You're, you're the Colonel. So you, you are Knighted. Thank you. <laughs> one time I didn't night, have to night. do it multiple times in order right. to get yeah. one time. You got one it. time. Oh my gosh. Free That's my charge. Call. You Thank just you, wanted Lord. your time and your expertise and all your knowledge and know where we can reach you after after we leave here. So Anytime. appreciate y'all joining us, listening to the episode. You know, follow follow me on Black Ops, Facebook, IG. Uh, Black Ops, uh, also Dr. Larry IMD, vision and health expert. Uh, once again, get his book too. His book is the bomb. Yeah, get his book. Yep. All she, eyes. She bought one. She bought all one. eyes. We, we help each other out. Thank you. Yes, we much. do. And I'm still looking for my sunglasses. I'm just saying. Oh, dang. dang yeah, there we go. Up. So that's good. <laughs> well, thank you guys, and <laughs> we headed to the chopper. 
we have come to the end of our episode. It's time to get to the chopper. Tune in next time for your next mission. You can follow Black Ops on Instagram and Facebook. Email blackops at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review.